Hello, and welcome to All His Movies, the Shia LaBeouf Podcast. This is episode 12, Transformers from 2007, recording live from the Cage Club headquarters. This is Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and this movie started at 2.20 p.m. on day two of his marathon, so we have officially crossed the 24-hour mark. I think the last movie might have started at 24 hours in, but we are firmly into day two here mm. with Transformers. And yes. this is It was weird to watch this movie third, considering it came first, but I'm glad that we did... Because it was also sort of interesting to see, like, oh, that's a plot line that they just uh-huh. dropped completely from, like, everything else. Like, yeah. the fact that his father, like, you know, or grandfather discovered Transformers, Transformers mm-hmm. and, like, he's never mentioned again. Yeah. No, that was passed on to McDreamy's grandparents or something in the third movie. He's like, my grandparents found the Transformers, and we made a deal with them. But, yeah, no, you're right. Fatigue is definitely set in, regardless, where we are watching this at what time. Maybe the best of the three, but it's not by far. It's still kind of a wreck and it was a marathon for me to get through this time i really wish that somebody put together a cut of this movie that was transformer less because Mm -hmm. i really genuinely like the entire movie when robots aren't on screen yeah i don't love it but i think that it's a movie that i would want to see more of yeah and honestly when the robots were on screen the last hour i just didn't watch like i I had it on tv i I just Mm -hmm. looked at because like what's weird about this is that i feel like shia the reason that we're watching this and megan fox they're not in the action like it's all military guys and it's just Mm -hmm. like they're sort of like bunkered away and it's just a bunch of robots on screen i'm just like oh god more of this i just don't care about this i'm tired of this yeah, the military stuff definitely puts a hamper on everything for me. Like, I, I mean, it almost starts to feel like G.I. Joe versus Transformers at one point, where I'm just like, all right, why? this isn't working. What works for me most and best is the Shia stuff, like the non-action-packed uh, military stuff. It's unfortunate because, you know, we, we get bogged down with all of that action in Iraq or Qatar or wherever they are in the desert and the hacking of the military Air Force One stuff and it's just not necessary if they had spent a little more time setting up Shia that he's a loser that goes to high school for the first half hour before he even finds Bumblebee you know uh, it would have been a better film if we had just gone off this great-grandfather's lineage uh, stuff. And then later in the movie, of course, the government has to get involved and interact with him at some point, but it was way too much for my liking. I'm okay with them showing more of him in school as long as they don't stick to the jokes like he's saying the word semen and sexting like everybody's <laughs> yeah. laughing at him. I also yeah. completely forgot that he went to school with Megan Fox. I just I oh, didn't remember yeah. where she... Like, I just sort of thought she was, like, a town girl that maybe <laughs> worked in the garage or something, but, like, no, she's dating this blockhead, I guess, sort of quarterbacky-looking dude. Yeah, they really go for the Peter Parker with him, and and she is sort of the Mary Jane dating yeah. Flash Thompson. And I will say this, though. I mean, what this is almost 10 years ago now. He, They look really young in this movie. Like, thinking back through, you know, we're going backwards. And this is the first time I saw Shia, and I was like, babyface Shia is, like, really looking young. And even Megan Fox looked young to me. Shia, when this movie came out, I think was like 20 or 21, or, you know, when they were making this, and apparently, I'm looking forward to my notes, Michael Bay first thought Shia was too old to play a teenager, having seen him done it, having seen him in Constantine, so he saw that, he thought he was like so mature in that movie that he couldn't possibly play a teenager, we'll get there, but a makeover and another like audition convinced the filmmakers that he could do it, Yeah. so Shia basically had to prove that 
he was able to play a step because he's he's not even just in high school he's a junior in high school right. he's really young I buy it though I mean he's got the my favorite sequence is probably when he's looking for the glasses in his room and his parents are bothering him and um, you know they're like why are you so sweating he's like I'm a child I'm a boy you know <laughs> and I like I bought that entirely like I definitely believe that he was in high school unlike you know some of those later Keanu ones where he's like you know pushing 30 and he's still going to prom and stuff yeah I mean he's close I don't know why it's such a big deal I feel like there's there's way more egregious things, you know, 90210 and Saved by the Bell oh, and everything, absolutely. where everybody is just, like, yeah. way older than what they're actually playing. To have him be really three years older is just, it's, it's crazy, because especially yeah. the second movie's not going to come out for two years or whatever, and so he's going to be out of high school by that point, and, like, once you're out of high school, nobody really cares how old you are, Yeah. so it's, it, it, I don't know, but it's, I guess, you know, in an alternate universe, Shia doesn't do these movies, maybe we don't do this podcast, or maybe we just get other movies instead, so maybe he shouldn't have <laughs> proved to him that he could. My major problem is the, the Shia storyline and the military storyline are sort of cutting back and forth. I was having trouble adjusting to just the juxtaposition of story threads because we're going from like this hardcore military battle with, you know, evil helicopters in the desert and people dying. And yep. then we're cutting to sunny California at high school by the lake and he's just trying to impress a girl. He's and, just trying to climb a tree. And the movie is just throw. I feel like the movie's throwing me against the wall back and forth, back and forth. Like I was shocked to realize like, wow, I can't believe how little these two threads really have anything to do with each other. I'm having trouble sort of picking up. Well, I feel like the movie doesn't really know what it wants to be, and there's the real question about why, like, how much does the world actually know about what's going on? Because there's, there's yeah. this huge fight at the end of the movie, and according to Michael Bay, supposedly, they have it so that, like, even though there's this massive robot fight in the middle of a downtown area, yeah. the world stops talking about it, basically, which is why, like, in the future movies, like, nobody really knows about mm-hmm. them. Because what Michael Bay said, there was a quote here, they said, like, you know, everybody's gone ahead, it's realistic, two weeks after the 2004 tsunami, nobody talked about it anymore, it's very weird. Yeah. So he had, like, this whole backstory about how the government came out and was just like, oh, that was, like, an experiment, and we're sorry about that, and apparently mm-hmm. everybody just sort of forgot about it. What's, <laughs> what's also weird about this movie is that our Sam Witwicky's parents, Shia's parents, don't know the Transformers are, ha- like, what's happening, and apparently they, like, they, they go this entire movie without knowing that no. Oh, they have around. to know at one no, point. No, because according How? to the no, producer or the writer or something, they don't learn until between the first and the second movies. That's so dumb. Like, I it's did not pick dumb. up on that. Like, they definitely had to have found out at some point. Like, I thought that was the whole joke is that they knew at the end because they're interviewed post credit scene. They're being interviewed and they're like, no, there's no alien life or anything. And I thought that they were in on the whole joke at that point. I thought that was the whole concept behind that. But you're telling me that they never find out that he's hiding robots in the backyard. That's what I read. Okay. Well, there's a lot of things they're going for I don't buy in this movie. And so just put that up on the list. What's interesting about this movie, I guess you could say is interesting about this movie, is that when we were watching the later movies, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, there was, um, like, Andy Daly was in the third one, mm-hmm. and you said that there's a lot of cameos in the first movie. I thought. <laughs> there Turns are out John Voight's of... a little longer than a cameo. There's John Voight who's in it, who was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor. Oh. He did not win. Apparently, this is the only live-action Transformers that was ever not nominated for Worst Picture. Huh. So this was good enough to not get nominated for Worst Picture. I think it blindsided a lot of people. They didn't know what to really make of it at first. It's real um, weird. It's real, real weird. He's not bad in it, though, but he's playing Secretary of State or something, and I just find it hilarious that, you know, like, Hillary was our Secretary of State, and to picture her running around trying to keep tabs on Transformers at some point to protect their national interests. 
that made me laugh just thinking that John Voight is, you know, running around doing that and he's in charge. I, didn't, I don't even know if I read. I mean, I don't want to say that I was not paying attention to this movie, but I was paying <laughs> so little to it that, like, I didn't even realize it was him. Yeah. I was just like, no, okay, that's just a guy. Like, I just was like, oh, Shia's not on screen. Like, I don't really have to pay attention. But who is in this movie is Sucre from Prison Break. Yes. Amori in Alaska, I think. Uh, we have Tyrese, who yeah. paid to be in this movie. That is on... And he's in the next two as well. And it's like, Roman... Like, I love Roman in Fast and Furious mm-hmm. movies. Like, genuine, genuinely. Like, he brings a much-needed levity to some of those things yep. to help me convince the ridiculousness of everything. But here... Like, he is too gung-ho. I just cannot get into any of that stuff. We have Josh Dumel, who sort of feels like a cameo until you're like, oh, we're just with him for the entire time. That's where I got the G.I. Joe vs. Transformers vibe. Finally, I made, after three movies, watching them backwards, I made the connection. We have Dr. Taub from House, who is Shia's teacher. And I was like, okay. oh, this movie is basically like all the Fox shows from the 2000s that I watched. It's Prison <laughs> Break, it's House, it's all these guys together, just in these like weird, small roles. We have Bernie Mac as the car salesman. Yeah, Bernie Mac, RIP. You were great. You were funny in this. I mean, a little over the top, but it needed it. We have Anthony Anderson as the number one hacker in the world, which is crazy. It's more of a, more than a cameo, but not by much. Not by much. He has my favorite line, the, the whole thing where Tyrese is like, yeah, look at the scratches on this wall. It's like Freddy Krueger. And he comes up and he's like, no, man, that's only three claws. That's Wolverine, <laughs> man, Wolverine. But other than that, I don't know why he's in this movie whatsoever. I mean, it's character-wise. It makes no sense. Do you know who was originally offered that role but declined it? Dave Chappelle. Patton Oswalt. Oh, I'm surprised he turned it down, actually. I mean, he didn't... What He was in a couple... Because how old was is this kid in, now? Like he was in Blade six? 3, wasn't he? Or something? I, I guess Patton's kid wasn't born yet when this movie came out or was shooting, so... He's such a geek. Yeah, yeah, like, he's just so into, like, that stuff. Maybe Transformers is never his thing. Apparently, like, a lot of the people that were, like, sort of cast for this movie or that they started, like, assembling for this movie were people that liked Transformers. Hmm, so John Turturro is a big I don't remember. I think I deleted friend. that because it wasn't interesting enough for me to print out. The one person who really wasn't a fan of Transformers, like I was saying to you before we started recording, was Michael Bay, who originally turned this movie down. You could feel it. <laughs> he doesn't feel like a fan. He doesn't feel like a fan. He, he said it was a stupid toy movie, but then no. he realized that he wanted to work with Steven Spielberg, yeah. and he wanted to make a family film, so I guess he was talked into this or sort of reconsidered. But he said after the fact that, like, the fact that he didn't know what Transformers was and he had to, he had to learn about them uh-huh. supposedly made it so that common people like him, you know, who don't know Transformers, who aren't hardcore fans, would be able to, like, get into the series mm. as opposed to just having someone who's, like... Because I can sort of see that argument. I don't think it's true. Right. But I can see that, like, somebody who's, like, super, super into it's this... It's a nice excuse. Right. Somebody who's <laughs> super into this might be, like... They might gloss over a lot of the intro details. Because, again, for this, there's literally 200 pieces of trivia on IMDb, and they're all like, oh, the sound that was used in the cartoon series from the 80s was used six times in this movie. But it's not even that. Like, it feels like the writers don't even know what the hell Transformers are. Like, there's so many plot threads, and it just... it. It feels so intricate and confusing at times that, yeah, no one really seems to know what they're doing with this property. And I don't, I I understand his argument, but I don't buy it one bit because I think you could have gotten someone whose life was Transformers growing up and been able to boil it down to his essence to make it relatable to everybody as opposed to getting this you know, stranger tourist guy come in and say, I'm just going to give people what I think is Transformers. <laughs> That's how it feels. And it just feels like that jock rock gung-ho, I'm going to, like, Transformers to him feels like war. 
you know? Yeah. Whereas, like, the Spielberg stuff, who produced this film, is the shyest stuff, right? And the movie feels like it's at odds with each other in that way. And I'm much more in favor of what I would believe to be Spielberg's input, which is the boy in his car, the girl, the Spider-Man kind of journey thing, as opposed to, I think, Michael Bay probably came in and shoved all this war into that movie, too, and said, I'll do it if I could do this or something. I don't know. It just feels like it's fighting itself. It's interesting that you said that because one of the things that I read was that Steven Spielberg suggested to the writers that the central storyline be a boy in his car. Yeah. And and encouraged Bay to film most of the stunts live or keep CGI to a minimum. Like, it's exactly what you said. Like, basically, the smaller you keep this, the better it's going to be. I mean, I read something else that, like, apparently, most of the film's $150 million budget were used on 15 practical action sequences and so that they didn't let CGI overwhelm things. But, like, that's nonsense because this entire movie is CGI. Yeah, no, that's... I mean, I guess they destroyed a bus on a freeway one afternoon, or they, you know, blew out the side of a building for a day, but for the most part, no, this is just egregious use of CGI once again. Going back a step to the writers, I mean, the movie starts out with, like, probably 45 seconds of exposition, Mm -hmm. I was just like, God, Mm -hmm. like... It's just blah, blah, blah. Before time began, there was the cube. It's just like, I I don't know, just show us, don't tell us. I don't know what you have to do. But it's not even that, like, I was listening this time, and first I got it, it rubbed me strange because I kept thinking of the Marvel Tesseract with the cube, and especially they're like, before the universe, before time existed, there was this cube, and it created every Transformer, and apparently every other planet, and everything else in the universe, and it's just like, dudes you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to follow this? It's so nonsense. And like, say 15 minutes in until 90 minutes in, it's like, there's really good. It's the stuff that we've been talking about. It's Shia in class presenting, sort of selling his teacher, saying that, you know, <laughs> my dad said he would give me $2,000 or no, no he would buy me a car if I saved up $2,000 and get yeah. three A's. Sir, just ask yourself, what would Jesus do? <laughs> but and he talks his teacher from basically like an eBay presentation about like yeah. all these things he's trying to sell into an A minus so that his dad can drive him, Kevin Dunn can drive him to the car salesman, Bernie Mac can buy like, you know, some crap car that turns out to be Bumblebee. Which yeah. to me, the fact that like apparently Bernie Mac just never opened the hood because he's got like this like <laughs> Yeah, that crazy like, engine. Multiple tens of thousands, if not more than that, dollar yeah. engine that yeah. Megan Fox opens up and like even though she's impressed later, like she's not nearly impressed enough. Like no. True. This terrible raggedy car has that, that breaks it. down has like this beautiful chrome like. And you know what? Also, just quickly, like I would have thought that that's where sort of the transformer alien brain might be. So you would pop the hood and not see an Earth engine. You know, it would be the one thing that might have given him away. But I don't know. What I did like though is I liked how he was giving a history report and selling his eBay product at the same time. Like I think that like that was clever. The stuff with Bernie Mac at the car dealership and his dad, like all that stuff, is pretty funny and worked. All, I agree. All this Shia stuff is is good. Although his his screen name on eBay is Ladies Man Two One Seven. Yeah, I mean, good is you know, not good in terms of. I mean, good in Transformers terms. Let's just say that. Like when I say good, I didn't realize how much in the series is named after or like modeled after Michael Bay because his birthday is February Seventeenth. So that's why he's Ladies Man Two One Seven. That's mm-hmm. where that comes from. Michaela Barnes is just a female Michael Bay. That's the name. Aye. I didn't realize that. The one guy goes screaming down the street that uh, Transformers are crashing into shit, and the guy's like, this is better than Armageddon. Ugh. Toward the end of the movie, Mike, when Megan Fox is driving that tow truck, it's Mike's towing. Aye, aye. So, I mean, everything is just like, how can I? How many times can I get my name in this movie? Because people but aren't going to know. You know what's funny about that is this film is 
basically a, com- a toy commercial. Yeah. You know, like like it got highly criticized for that. And not only a toy commercial, but like a Mountain Dew commercial, an Xbox commercial, a Nokia commercial, right? So it, well, only a Nokia <laughs> commercial because Steve Jobs said you cannot use an iPod. Good for Steve Jobs. R.I.P. But it makes perfect sense for Michael Bay to say, you know what? I'm going to brand the shit out of this with my own name, too. Why not? This whole thing's just a commercial for everybody. I'm just going to treat it like that. And I don't know. It lacks a certain degree of integrity at that point, and I don't know if I could take you quite as seriously as you want to be taken. I mean, you know that it's a Michael Bay movie because it feels like a Michael Bay movie. There's even, like, I, I said this to you when I was watching it, that, like, when Bernie Mac is selling the car, we get that bad boys sort of like quick 360 degree camera mm-hmm. around him he's a car salesman yeah, like, I, I know, know doing that for. everybody's sweating bullets but like kind of great i guess you know when chai is asked like why are you sweating because mom i'm in a michael bay movie right, like, right. I'm, yeah, I that's what sweating. i thought yeah there's like you know gratuitous close-ups of megan fox yeah there's rachel taylor who's beautiful in this movie that i don't even know if like do oh. they ever say her name mm, no i don't she's her just like Maggie. you know what i called her female snowden because she's like an nsa hacker she was and like contracted by she them stores the sd card in her makeup case right she swipes it out yeah exactly so i thought it was progressive to have like an extremely hot supermodel just be like this hacker nerd you know like you would conventionally think anthony anderson when you thought that and don't worry he's here too but it was kind of funny to have her there as well i wrote down that hot women can be anything mechanics scientists hackers whatever she is like as long (laughs) as you're hot you can do whatever you want in a michael bay world there are lines that i don't know if i like like i wrote down oh god i can't even tell you how much i'm not your little bunny like it's sort of empowering for megan fox when she's like but she's also with this dim-witted guy yeah but then later in the movie shy is like maybe you should sit on my lap because there's only one seat belt in the car and she just like gives in immediately it's just like Mm. i can't tell on the scale of like not sexist to like michael bay sexist like where this movie (laughs) falls i think like in any other movie it would be very sexist and distasteful but because it's a michael bay film i i mean look it's way less than we're gonna get in part two and three i'll tell you that much you know like the women in those movies are strictly objects and so at least like with michaela we get a backstory and a motivation you know that she's that her dad is a thief and she's been on jobs and you know she's sort of a problem child like all that kind of fits into her attitude in the film and you know I don't know but I do hear you she warms up too quick all that is just super fast forwarded I feel like if this movie was just about the kids and the car and then second act turning point you bring in the government with the rest of the Transformers Mm -hmm. we would have time to actually establish them liking each other for real reasons what's interesting about this movie in a way that shouldn't be interesting considering this is like what I'm about to say is so basic for movies but there are actual like character setups in this movie like that or like there's the interaction where she's just like you know I guess I'm just attracted to hot guys with six packs and big arms and Shia's like flexing like I installed this new light and like he's so clearly playing against type like you know what I'm supposed to look like as an action star right but I look like Shia LaBeouf so like that's like a very meta like a cool moment but I feel like the writers in two and three are just like oh we already had all those character moments in the first movie like people don't like those we don't need to go back to that well (laughs) well well, yeah and it's not like they're gonna carry over very many threads anyway I don't even know if you could quite call that second movie fully written but uh, you're right it does to a degree feel like you're watching a movie that you know needs to have a sequel and that it's definitely coming at some point because there's just things that are left out until the very end like Megatron like doesn't come into the picture till the end a lot of stuff with the Decepticons and the Transformers like actual plan and the shit with the AllSpark I mean the cube I mean whatever it is like all that stuff feels like 
wedged in as funny as it seems because it's called Transformers and that stuff should feel crystal clear and well plotted and developed but yet it almost feels like we're going to drop in all this weird stuff for the next couple movies and then you come to find out that the other movies really don't even follow that shit up like there's a line in the beginning of here where they're like the AllSpark is going to be on this planet we've never heard of called Earth <laughs> and we find out in the second movie that like what 12 BC or something Transformers were there like trying to drain the sun's energy yep so yeah there's not a lot of consistency there's not there's not consistency there's no canon it's just like whatever makes sense for the one story that we want to tell is like what we're gonna do it's just too bad because again like if you had someone who and I know people are thinking because this is you know the, the property itself doesn't really warrant feel like it warrants a lot of respect because it's a toy property but there are ways to do it right like look at Lego movie. Yeah. Like, I was actually thinking those guys, Miller and Miller. they would have done a great job with Transformers because you they could bring the funny, fun stuff like they do with the Jump Street series, mm-hmm. and then they could, it's based off a toy property from the 80s, or I mean, Lego's much older than that, but it's based off a toy property, so they would probably find a creative, inventive way to find a middle ground. I don't know whose fault this because I don't think it's Michael Bay, because like, the Bad Boys movies are fun, like, Painting Game is fun. Well, I think it starts with the writing for sure, yeah. but his interpretation of that doesn't help. His stylistic eye and his choices and his vision isn't exactly helping. Oh, another thing that's in this movie that is completely dropped from future movies is that they have the Transformers speak on the screen that's subtitled. Oh, yeah. They yeah. just have it in a couple scenes. Right. And then that's just gone. I was like, oh, okay, that's That something. was kind of funny, though, to see like a car or a vehicle to be talking. Like, that was just bizarre. Like, yeah. I don't know. It made me think of Knight Rider for a second. For a second. But it made me wonder if uh, everybody heard the Transformer car talking to itself as it went down the street. I have no idea. I mean, that's just... Do not know. We have a Shia a lot on a bike. So we haven't had him on a motorcycle a lot of movies so far, but we have right. him on a bike. He's yeah. riding his bike, trying to call him 911 about the stolen car, which seems, all right, that's that's just like a movie thing that happens. Then we have him later on a pink bike that I was trying to find a picture of for the episode on cageclub.me, where you can find this podcast if you're listening to it from iTunes. I wanted to find a picture of him on the pink bike because it's great and because he's riding a pink bike, but like it's impossible to find that. And like unlike Revenge of the Fallen or Age of Extinction or Dark Side of the Moon or Dark of the Moon, <laughs> Dark of yeah. the Moon it's, it's impossible to find pictures from this movie because it's just hmm. like Transformers so it just finds everything oh I and see Transformers yeah. Shia because it finds things from all three movies and then like Transformers Shia pink bike has him like in pink pants on a different bike I'm just, like, <laughs> I can't find but anyway that's a that's a wonderful scene that I love it's also what I, what I do like about this movie is how long it takes for the reveal that Bumblebee is more than just a car. Yeah, I didn't quite buy that someone would steal him because he's referred to as a piece of shit a lot. Well, did somebody steal like him or did he just drive away No, on he his drove own. away on his own, but I don't... I mean, we're supposed to think... Are we supposed to think that someone... St- I don't think the audience is fooled one minute, but Shia's like, someone's stealing my car. Someone's right. stealing my car. I don't know. I don't even know what... I mean, and then Bumblebee goes to some junkyard and flashes a light into the sky, and then Shia gets arrested. It just felt like that whole sequence was cut short, that it could have been connected with the second time that Bumblebee gets out when he's being chased by the police car, and then suddenly it's nighttime and they're fighting. Well, this movie is a tight two hours and 23 minutes. Jesus. But it is the shortest of the three, so like... That's funny. The shortest actually all four trans. Transformers movies. I think, they, I think they each keep getting longer. Mm. I think the new one was like the one without Shia was like 245 or something. Oh, that was yikes. 
really long. There's room to sort of, I don't know, I just wish that, they fo- I think they focus on the wrong things, which I guess is the yes. sort of whole... Well, that's the thing, too. It's like, it also feels like the script said, for the action sequences, it almost feels like, and now an action sequence. And you had to fill in the blanks. And that they went way too far and over the top filling in those blanks. Like, the downtown finale thing just goes on and on and on. The stuff in the desert just goes on and on and yeah. on. Like, even the helicopter attack in the beginning goes on and on. And I think you could do stuff with Transformers and not need it to be so crazy action-packed. Like, they're in disguise. I think you could have it be more of, like, a spy thriller mystery thing if you needed it to. Have, like, someone reactivate Megatron and he's out there hiding on Earth and they have to go stop him before he finds the cube. I mean, I don't know. It just frustrates me because the elements, like I've been saying for all three of them, there's enough there to make a good movie. It's just they felt like packing it with so much until it topples over in on itself. It becomes too much to handle. Because there is good stuff here. and I mean, like, the, like I think the casting choices are good. Like, Shia is really good as Sam. Yeah. I wrote down at one point that he's so much more appealing than, like, Jesse Eisenberg. Like, when he's... Mm. Bumblebee's, like, standing outside, like, around the corner, and his parents are trying to come outside, and he's just like, no, 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 like, I need to take the garbage out. Like, I feel, right, right. I feel bad if you took the garbage. Like, it would hurt me personally or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You can see someone else, like a Michael Sarah or a Jesse Eisenberg, doing that, like, in that same kind of, like... The thing that they're sort of typecast as, you right, know what I mean? Right. But it that just... Hyper. He works so well there that it's a shame that they don't give him more to do like that. Or Megan yeah. Fox as, like, the hot girl that actually has a deeper side to her yeah. that you see in a couple scenes but you don't actually or like the parents who are tremendously funny and every time they're on screen it's yes. like the best part of the movie yeah. and they're just not on screen enough like there's so many things in this movie that work but they just don't focus on it because they're like people didn't come here for people people came here for robots yeah, yeah and that's ultimately what it comes down to is that the Transformer movie isn't as good as the human movie here that's going on, really. I would rather watch, you know, like the high school comedy drama between Shia and Megan Fox play out as opposed to the hyper intense robot action shoot 'em up burly brawl thing going on and everything. Yeah, and I do think Shia's really good in this too. Mm-hmm. You need someone who can keep up that intensity take after take, you know, and he seems to be someone who's just full of energy when you need it. But then he can be like super restrained in yep. a way. Like, I almost think of him, if David Arquette really got his shit together, like, David Arquette has, like, a way of being sort of manic and being quiet, but I never really feel like he found the right balance of all that, but I get another level version of that with Shia, where he's got, like, these great extremes, and he's really easy, he can really alternate between them easily, it seems. Yeah, no, he can, because he's really good at what he does, and, like, this is sort of, I don't want to say this is below him, because he does like this movie, in that Vanity Fair profile that we talked about a couple episodes ago, I think he said this is the only movie he ever did with Spielberg that he likes. Okay. He really likes Michael Bay as a director, and he, he likes this movie, so I think, you know, it is, like we were saying, it's the best one of the series, it's one that shows off what he can do, which is sort of disappointed there isn't more. I just started editing the episode, so I just started editing Fury, and in that episode we were talking about what we should call having sex, because, you know, Sip and Miss McGill's Oh, tea. yeah, I was thinking maybe fixing the motorcycle, because we... Okay. I got a good one. Okay. So in that episode we talked about calling it trading for eggs, because that's what they do in Fury, that they trade <laughs> the girl basically for eggs. But I think what we should call it, and we haven't we haven't done it in the first 12 episodes, I don't think we're going to remember for the next 15, especially considering the next 15, like, if he's having sex in any of these 15 movies, Right. Like, things are because he, he's going to be like 18 or yeah. younger in most of these movies but I think we should start calling it Sam's Happy Time which yes. is when his mom is just like like why are you sweating like are you masturbating he's just like mom don't say masturbating and she's like no okay we can just call something else like Sam's Happy Time mm. and that's when Megan Fox like pops out and then the mom was just like 
gosh, you're gorgeous. Isn't that just the prettiest girl? <laughs> and like, it's just so wonderful. I just love it so much. I was thinking we should not only call sex Sam's happy time, but call like the whole podcast Sam's happy time. <laughs> retroactively. Retroactively. Cha- well, I mean, we could retroactively change. Actually, I mean, we haven't. Yeah. Nobody knows anything. Like, we just record the name. <laughs> we just sort of, you know. One thing that's weird about these movies that I keep reading in the trivia is that like they never use the word Transformers. Well, the dad says they, he ne- they never call the robots Transformers. The only time the word Transformer is uttered is about a Transformer that blew outside, like an electrical Yeah, like an actual one. In they this, use yeah. verbs like Shia said his car transformed, and there's all these different things, but it's almost like they're actively trying to be like The Walking Dead or whatever, where like zombies don't but exist. It's so dumb, because the robots come down, and they're like, we're autonomous, DNA, you know, organic robotics. Call us Autobots, right? Yeah. And he's like, and they're Decepticons, and we're two races, and he stops short of saying two races called Transformers. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. why doesn't he just say, and together we're Transformers and oh, we've boy. come to Earth? And it's like, come on, we call ourselves humans, you know, and then we split that up between gender and race and stuff. Why? why I thought that was the same deal on Transformatron or uh, where are they from? Changeroo. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember I can't tell you anything about their backstory because I do not care. When I was a kid, I, I, I had some knowledge of Transformers because I was younger watching the cartoons. But now I can't even remember the planet they came from. Like um, everything is just Omicron Percy I <laughs> Yeah, I'll take it. I don't think I have any more notes. I have some quotes like we've learned Earth's oh. languages through the World Wide mm-hmm. Web. This was one of the first movies I well, one of the first movies I recall heavily feeling the influence of the new millennium in that we were starting to reference a lot of internet stuff like eBay and you know, the worldwide well, the World Wide Web had been referenced in film, but like it was just now gonna be taken as a given that I we're mean, gonna go to movies now and they're gonna be saying Netflix or you I know, mean, it's a second it's a, whole it's a second thing. movie, right? Where his, his roommate in college is like the hacker, right? Mm-hmm. So we've established a baseline. If people know what the World Wide Web is, now we're gonna have like a hacker, we're gonna have, you know, whatever stupid website is that's not actually a Transformers website anymore. I mean, eBay is still around, but it's funny because it kind of does date this movie in a weird way. Because there was an eBay craze. Yeah. I even feel like this is at the end of that craze. Yeah, this is when it kind of settled down and normalized, I guess. I don't know. I think I mentioned this in the Transformers 3, but this was the first... I saw this movie at a midnight screening, and this was like the first midnight screening I had ever I realized I was doing a lot of like body (laughs) gestures, because we don't really usually record in person. I'm recording in person, so I'm just like shaking my head, nodding my head, and this is very bad podcast (laughs) etiquette. That... Summer, I, I think that was the same summer I saw like Die Hard at a midnight screening and Live Free or Die Hard and the Simpsons movie, but this was the first midnight screening for me, and the place was fucking crazy. Like, it got such an amazing reaction from the theater. Like, I was shocked. Like, I didn't think it was that great, but everyone around me fucking loved it, and the friend I was with afterwards came, he was telling me, he was like, man, when Optimus Prime showed up, like, the kid next to him started to cry. He was so happy. You know, it was like one of those moments for people. <laughs> like a religious experience. Yeah. But, I mean, like, people are dumb. Like, after I saw Kick-Ass 2, the theater erupted in applause, and I was just like, this is maybe <laughs> the worst movie that I've ever seen in my entire life. I, it's like those internet video reactions when people film themselves watching the new Star Wars trailer and shit and it's just like how I mean maybe I'm just cold hearted but I just don't get a response I want to like love that. anything as much as those people love Transformers kind of we get the Kill Bill song which I feel <laughs> like 
once Tarantino uses a song in a movie, yeah, it's because over. he like his whole thing is like I'm gonna find things you've never heard of and they're gonna be things you love, like in yeah. like a, a record shop in Tokyo and here the five six seven eights and just like I need this in my movie. Well, it's the it's the twenty one guns of this movie. <laughs> Green Day had twenty one guns in part two and they got the Kill Bill song in this. But you're right because Tarantino is like you know music in film it, it creates a sense of memory and you know I want to use music for people to remember certain moments and stuff and it just kind of spoils the song in a way. You know, I guess the connection is that Bumblebee is yellow and black, like the bride's jumpsuit. Did you? I, pick even, that no, I didn't even think of that. Okay, I think you're giving it too much credit. I, no, I swear to God, why else would they pick that particular song? Because it's not like Kill Bill was still. It wasn't even a huge success when it came out. I don't think people going to see Transformers were oh, remembering. Here, here's Kill a fun Bill. story about Kill Bill. When the first Kill Bill was going to be in theaters, I saw a trailer for it. I remember. It's like so. It's 2000, 2001, I guess. And I didn't know who Tarantino was because I was like 13. I was okay. young and dumb. I was like. Who does this guy think he is that he's going to put out a movie called Kill Bill Volume 1? I'm like, what kind of balls on this director that he's going to see a movie and just put out like, yeah, it's going to be so good that there's going to be a part two. Not knowing that like he's the most influential director like of the time. <laughs> That's great. But, like, I remember thinking like with no irony, like, this fucking guy. <laughs> I remember when that came out, kind of thinking the same thing though. But knowing his work, I you know I was I'm I'm older than like seven years older than you. So I mean, I it's funny I had known he had garnered a reputation for himself as like the guy who took forever to make another movie. And so when Kill Bill Volume One came out, we were all laughing at each other. Yeah, we're watching Jackie Brown. But when <laughs> Kill Bill Volume One came out, we were all la- my friends and I were laughing, going like, <laughs> Part One, like there's ever going to be a Part Two. Like it takes him five years to put out part one but yeah you part know. two came two years later i mean part three supposedly might happen but probably not i mean we're 12 years after part two and it is weird though like because i mean jackie brown came in like 96 97 it's actually the second michael keaton movie that i've watched on mute today i was watching batman <laughs> returns earlier so i'm watching him sort of grow through the 90s well here's the thing about the music is like okay so the first tra- the transformers cartoon had a movie called transformers the movie right is um, that 1984 i around the yeah around that time i can't remember that's all yeah, over 84 85 right yeah some kid says shit in it you know it's like a cartoon oh that's also shit. in the trivia about like people saying oh shit in this movie twice okay. as a reference to oh, that optimus prime dies in that movie but ultimately the biggest thing to come out of that in my opinion is the song you've got the touch oh. that mark Wahlberg sings in boogie nights yeah. that song is from oh, i don't know if it was written for transformers but it became extremely popular uh you've because of power. that movie everybody was like why wasn't that movie in the live action film what happened to the touch like it needed its own film it needed its own song for the film and that kill bill song moment would have been the perfect moment to do you got the touch when bumblebee transforms into the new car the touch did come out in 86 it was prominently featured in the animated film 1986 so i was a little bit off transformers the movie it came on that soundtrack album released that year so i don't know if it was necessarily written for that movie but yeah that is basically like okay so another <laughs> another song in this movie is that megan fox apparently went to a lincoln park concert and like went backstage after the show and they heard that she was doing a Transformers movie they're like oh we love those can we get a song in the movie oh, so they wrote the go. song or they put a song in in the closing credits like that's oh. but like still you could tell pretty much like any band of that era right that like yeah. for Transformers like hey we're doing a Transformers movie let's have a really cool song but instead they just like rip off this iconic song that from a movie it's from five years ago it comes off as like this weird reference that you're supposed to know in a film that the film isn't filled with any other references to really any other movies the only thing they're referencing are other transformer shows and trivia like that so it's weird that we get a movie reference in the middle of this and it's the only joke like that 
that's all my notes about the movie. I have trivia and stuff that, like, Megan Fox gained 10 pounds of muscle, Shia gained 25 pounds wow. of muscle, and then realized that he needed to be more agile than strong, so I guess he had to slim down a little bit. So here's two people who auditioned for the role of Michaela that didn't get it in favor of Megan Fox. Amanda Seyfried and Emma Stone. Oh, I could see Emma Stone really killing this role. Yeah. I like Amanda Seyfried, too, but I could see Emma Stone at that time killing it. I feel like Emma Stone would have like demanded... This is going to come off as a knock against Megan Fox, and I don't want it to be, but I feel like she would have demanded more backstory to the character. She would have been better if they did it without all... Like I was saying, without the military stuff. Like If it was strictly the Spielberg vision that we're thinking of, where it's like the low-key stripped down. But I think Megan Fox kind of has like this athleticism to her that she fits when they yeah. start doing the military. Like, I could see her in fatigues at some point, you know? Like, yeah. that's what's kind of cool about Megan Fox, is like, she looks like she could kick a lot of ass in this movie. And then a year or two later, she would team up with Amanda Seyfried for Jennifer's Body. So, oh. everything comes around. I, want, I need to give that movie a second chance, because I hated it when it I came out. I saw it in theaters, yeah, because that was the... Um, the follow-up to Juno. Yeah. Because I like all of her other movies. Like, I really liked Juno, and I really liked... What else did Diablo Cody write? She wrote Paradise, which is okay. I didn't see that. She wrote one other one. She oh, the TV oh, Young show. Adult with, with oh, Charlie Young Starr Adult was no, yeah. and Patton, bringing you back to this movie. There we go. Here's, here's a question. Do you know whose body language and movements were used to model Optimus Prime? No. Liam Neeson. What? Whoa. They should have just mo-capped Liam Neeson, dude. Yeah. That would have been amazing. And they should have used his voice, too. I know they wanted to use the original Optimus Prime voice, but, you know, it would have been a great moment if you had just cast well-known voices or celebrities to do the Transformers and make them more of a character. Because, I mean, honest to God, like, aside from Bumblebee, who doesn't talk, Optimus Prime is the only one who you really get kind of like a hold on, a handle of, like what he's kind of about, like, you know, he's the leader and everything like that. Yep. But like they don't even go as far as to like ninja turtle them and say like this one's the brains, this one's the goofball, this one is the tech expert. They basically don't really do that, right? They're like, this is the medic and this is the weapons expert. They don't really have enough time to develop any of the robots, and that's a big bit a big complaint for me throughout the entire series. This reminds me of another podcast on the Cage Club Podcast Network, now and again, from when they were just talking about boy bands. It's weird, mm-hmm. but this, I'm going to relate this. So Transformers is like the 98 degrees of the world, because the reason they were just talking about this on Now 2 Side, side a, a, so which just came out at the beginning of October, so like a month and a half ago by the time you're listening to this, they were saying that 98 degrees didn't work because they didn't define who the guys were. Like Backstreet Boys and Instinct worked better because mm-hmm. they all sort of had adjectives to like, you know, not that they like, like publicly girls. made. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Like everybody like knew. Okay, like for Spice Girls, especially like okay, that's the baby one, that's the sporty one, yeah, that's yeah. the scary one. So they all knew. Like they all had personas. Ninety degrees was just like here's a bunch of handsome dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so because nobody had any definition, there was no like you couldn't really latch on to anything. So here, like they're all just like oh, there's just a bunch of robots. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. I mean, uh, it's too bad because like if you had just had Bumblebee, Optimus, and one other Ratchet, who cares? And then on the bad side, God, you already know more than I do. And on the bad side, you have Megatron, Starscream, which is the, the one who jet dies. fighter. The, you know, he's the jet. He's like the, Does he die? No. He, who dies? Uh, Megatron dies. Well, somebody else dies in this, too, I think. Maybe not. Mm, they blow up a couple Decepticons. But that's Whatever. the thing. Like, If there was just like three on each side or four on each side or something, like we really end, could have gotten to know them. Yes, I agree. But <laughs> they wanted to make sure that the, the Autobots... Autobots are good guys? Yes. The Autobots were outnumbered 8 to 5, I think it was. Okay. Because they wanted to 
show that like through teamwork and you know okay. positive thinking or whatever they were able to overcome outmatched yeah. odds or whatever. Yeah, the, okay. So there's a reason why there's more like there's more guys, but it could have been three versus five instead of exactly. five versus eight. Yeah, you still don't get any better idea of any of their personalities, especially the Decepticons. I mean, they basically just go with, they're bad, they're all bad, they're all just, like, on the same level of bad. So Agent Simmons, who's John Turturro, who comes in and says, Ronald Wickety? He's like, actually, it's Wit Wicky. I just, I just love how he says Wickety. I don't know why. Two things about that character. Number one, do you know who Michael Bay originally wanted to play him? Um going to say... Someone with a very, very big cage connection. Oh, now I'm on that. Ving Rhames. No. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> Which I would have loved in this movie. Speaking of Ving Rhames, this is, this is... I don't think this is racist. It might be a little racist. Michael Clark Duncan was originally going to be a member of Sector 7, which is the military group, but he didn't... Okay. I just compared those two, because they're both big, oh. you know, intimidating... I, oh, man, he... I just watched The Green Mile, and I'm going to get a little controversial here, and maybe it's because I've seen Shawshank so much, but I think Green Mile is the superior film. I'll just... Lay that on the table. Moving on. I really on. like Shawshank, but like, <laughs> Shawshank, like 1994, going back to Tarantino, the year Pulp Fiction came out, I think Forrest Gump is the most overrated movie of all time, probably. Yeah, and I yeah, think Shawshank's probably not there. that far behind. Like, Shawshank's great, and I love that a lot more than Forrest Gump, but they're both just like, like there's no reason <laughs> Shawshank is like the number one movie on IMDb. No, yeah, I know. Just because it's on so much. Not Ving Rhames. Another, of that level, okay, though. Okay, another, okay. Of, of that level. Uh, well, Buscemi. Because yeah. of Armageddon, right? Yep. Uh, he but was he great was, in Armageddon. He was shooting something else, so he couldn't okay. do it. He would have been good, but I like, you know, funny enough, I like what Totoro's doing for this very reason. Like, he is like a goofy military guy, right? So, like, he fits more into Shia's world than he does sort of into that whole other Josh Dumal's mm-hmm. world. I think they should have just stuck with Sector 7 and have him be, like, these men in black and have really keep it secret because having all this, um, the war guys, like, the, the actual army and the navy and everything, it's getting too big. Like, it's the, you know, it's too hard to keep the conspiracy quiet in the end of the movie. I don't believe that the world isn't aware that Transformers exist because way too many people were involved. Yeah, I agree. And Especially when they're like, we dumped the Decepticons in the bottom of a trench that's seven miles deep and there was no evidence. And it's like, they, what do you mean there's no evidence? And also, like, what are you doing? Like, how, you're just, I don't know. It seems like they're asking for it. John Turturro says he based his performance as Agent Simmons on Michael Bay. But Michael Bay says the character is nothing like him. Oh, that means it's exactly like him. Absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, now, can, now I might actually go back and watch some of his scenes, especially the one in part three where he can't sell his book and he has the manservant <laughs> from uh, Firefly, who's the pilot. Adam, Alan Tudyk. Yeah, and isn't he? He's playing the droid, I think, in Rogue One. Spoilers. Spoilers. Michael Bay said the tone of this film is like Seven Samurai. Nope. Fused with close encounters. Nope. And charged with 85 mile an hour fight scenes. Yeah. Well, he's... One out of three is not bad. <laughs> Two people who were almost in this movie, Howard Stern was approached for a voice cameo, but his agent talked him out of it, which oh, seems well, weird. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, he would have been great for a Transformer voice. Yeah. Or, Decept- or whatever, a robot voice. And Dean Cook wanted to be in the movie. He oh, he would have no. been good, too. Well, yeah. he should have paid them like Tyrese did. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrese knew what to do. And the only other note that I have here is that Rachel Taylor, who is the hot blonde hacker government person. Yeah, Snowden. Female Snowden, uh, who is just in that new Netflix movie, Ark, which I just watched last night, which is really good. She said the hardest part about her role, the only difficulty she had, was wearing high heels, which I think is kind of adorable. Oh, wow. She needed to take a page out of Jurassic World ladies book. Cause oh, she killed it. She killed it running in heels. That's all the notes that I have about Transformers. Do you have anything else you want um, to say about the movie? The only thing I thought 
watching it this time around, the thing I thought was funny that I, it's funny enough, I noticed it this time. I didn't. I don't think we really mentioned it too much in the other podcast for part two and three. The collateral damage. It's kind of funny because it's such a big deal now with like Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. and Civil War, and it's like you know you gotta be held accountable and all that kind of thing. And it's like they fucking kill humans like crazy at the end of this movie. Like people are just getting crushed to death. They have to be. Like I mean, if I'm imagining it happening off screen, it's happening in the movie world. There is just a war breaking out in downtown LA. Yet in the rest of the movies and even in sort of like the criticisms of this film, I don't recall ever hearing anything about that being a, an issue or a no. problem or anything. And that, that's just kind of funny to see, like, maybe it's because, you know, just the new millennium, we've had so many of these fucking disaster films charged with special effects that look so realistic. We finally got to a point where we're like, you know what? <laughs> it's kind of bothering. Maybe it's kind of bothering me at, a, at this point. And, like, we should think about, think about you know, the problems all this destruction causes well, instead of how cool it looks. that is that in the second movie, they just destroy the pyramids, which is just like, oh, there's just thousands it's, of years of history. It seems even gone. more it, like a disgrace. Like, I almost don't like when they, you know, it's like at the end of X-Men Origins Wolverine, where apparently Wolverine fighting Deadpool with Sabretooth caused the Three Mile Island meltdown or something. And I don't really like when movies infer on actual history. I, I mean, it, it, it can work from time to time. It worked in the first X-Men movie with Magneto, but it did not work in X-Men Apocalypse with Magneto. So it's like this very thin line to tread. So any other thoughts about Transformers? Are we officially done with Transformers I am forever? so glad to be done with this. Through the first 12 episodes, we did three Transformers, and we did both Nymphomaniacs. That was one episode. But I mean, that's five, 12 and a half to 13 hours. Wow. No, 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 more than that. It's like 13 or 13 and a half hours of movies. And it's basically just four movies. And just four movies. Because Nymphomaniac is part one, part two. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? Like, I could make it through that a lot easier than watching these three Transformers movies. You know what I'm saying? If someone sent me down, I was like, you know, would you rather rewatch Nymphomaniac parts one and two yeah. or Transformers parts one, two, and three? I'd say in a heartbeat, Nymphomaniac. Well, yeah, because that's like somebody who knows what they're doing making a movie. But it's also very intense and it pushes the viewer. Yeah. But just in a more, I don't want to sound too artsy-fartsy, but like that movie pushes you more into like an intellectual direction where this pushes you more into like, I'm exhausted. Okay, huh? What I do want to talk about, that I don't want to go too far into detail because it's not the movie that we're doing and we're actually not going to do it for this thing, but between the last episode we recorded and this one, it's only a day later for you, but it's a couple of weeks later for us. I saw American Honey. As, again, I was saying, I was just editing Fury, and we talked about in Fury about how that's maybe both of our favorite Shia movies. Yeah. That's been trumped. Wow. He is amazing in American Honey. American Honey is one of my favorite movies of the year. Wow. I've seen a lot, too. I've seen a lot as well. I mean, a lot, that, not just yeah. this year, but a lot that was released in 2016. You've seen a lot of that. I've seen, like, a, to date, it's like 138, and it's like in my top five or six. Whoa. It is so good it's like two hours and 43 minutes long oh it's super super long except it doesn't feel that long which is amazing it's one of those movies like i haven't felt this way really since this might be an exaggeration i want to go back and double check i don't think i felt this way since spring breakers where as soon as i was done i was like oh i'm gonna watch this movie all the time (laughs) like spring breakers i saw it twice in theaters and then i got it on blu-ray and i watched it three or four times that year and just like whenever i didn't know what to watch i was just like oh like let's just watch spring breakers Mm -hmm. and now when it's on tv at night i just like oh i gotta watch spring breakers like there's movies that i like more than this and i think that there's movies that i you know enjoyed more in the moment like you know like last year for instance like fury road is just amazing you know but like that's a movie that i'm not gonna watch over and over again like if it's on i'm not gonna turn it off but there's just something about american honey where i was just like oh god like i need to like watch it like i need to live in this movie well now we're gonna have to go beyond just what he watched and continue the podcast 
into new territory when his new films come out because just from hearing you talk about it is making not only making me want to see it but it sounds like something we're going to want to discuss when it comes out too well we need to just figure out when man down is going to come out and then we can do that yeah i was thinking too like we're not even doing all his movies because we can't find the elusive man down what's weird is that now from here on out we have we have still big movies like we have i robot and constantine but like this back mm. half of them we're almost in the back half because there's 27 charlie's episodes. angels is a big one but like there's a lot of movies that like are small and short and kids movies like we have surfs up coming up next we have Holes, the Even Stevens movie, The Christmas Path, Monkey Business. It's a very different side that we're yeah. seeing. Him in American Honey is like, I don't know. I mean, we, I'm sure we've seen it before. God, he's just so good in it. <laughs> and the girl, I mean, Sasha Lane, who plays Star, who's the who's the star of the movie, it's her first movie. And she's oh, cool. unbelievably good. Like, it's it's crazy. Isn't, isn't Star the name of the girl vampire in Lost Boys? Maybe, maybe not. But. I don't know. That's a great name. Go see American Honey. I mean, you probably have. If you were interested in American Honey, this podcast yeah. coming out probably a month or month and a half after it's been in sort of most theaters, so you probably might have already seen it by now, but man, I think that's all I have to say. I Anything think, else? I think I'm good, too. So now we did Transformers. The next movie up is an 85-minute Surf's Up animated movie. Cannot that's wait right. for that. Surfing Very exciting. Penguins. Wait, I, you know, this is going to be an education, because I thought penguins were just in cold climates. I mean, I might be I an idiot. Surf. I could be dumb, right, and I didn't know that they had that kind of balance. They could surf, and looking for to see if they can dance maybe we will we will see so for all things all his movies you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub see all the shyest stuff that we've done see what's coming up next check out cage club and keanu club and zach attack and monkey club and now and again and all sorts of fun things at those two places rate review subscribe on itunes we don't usually say that you can uh follow us on twitter our twitters are on our homepage at cageclub.me poke around see what you find i don't know what's on there actually i do when it's on there there's not much enjoy i'm joey lewandowski and I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on All His Movies. I got an ill-